Well, we are glad that you are here today at Ordinary Faith. Also, welcome on people that are online. We are very, very thankful that you are here as well uh, with us through the, the Wi-Fi experience. Um, I love um, Thanksgiving holiday times. I love the celebration of, of Thanksgiving and all the food that we are able to eat without feeling guilty. Uh, I also love the, the Christmas time as well. Um, when we do our our, our um, scheduling of sermons, I, I was able to know I was going to be preached several months ago, and for a while now, I've been working on something in my own life. Uh, just to ch- share with you, I, I want to, at some point, I, I'm, I'm trying to build up some real estate and be able to be not a slumlord, uh, but be a be a guy that just just, uh, just able to uh, have some passive income come in and, and be able to do some different things. And during that time, I started looking online on how to start a Christian business. What is the, what's the Bible say about looking at business and what the Bible says about money and what's the Bible say about uh, work ethics and so on and so forth. And you know, I'm, maybe you know this, but there are over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible about talk about money. That's references to finances. And as I was looking through this, I want to kind of take a look at some different things. And I'm not preaching about money today. That's, that's another day um, that you can get nervous about. Um, but today I want to talk about something very, very important to you and I. Um, something that we will be experiencing probably tomorrow at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock whenever you go to work. Uh, I want to talk about work today. I want to look at what the scriptures have to say about our ability to work and how our attitude should be about going to work. But before we do that, I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but how many of you guys get things backwards? Uh, how many of you guys actually read the instructions when you get something new? I mean, it, most of, there, there's some strange people out there that actually do read the instructions. But if you are like me, I just start, do, I start building the process. I start putting the thing together, whatever it is. And then later on, I have to ask my wife for help um, to help me go back and figure out what I messed up. And so it's interesting, but a lot of times I think in our country today, I'm going to specifically talk about our country, we have some things that are backwards. And um, this is, our main text is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. But before we get there, I need to build this, this point of how I need to change my attitude with the way that I go to work uh, Monday through Friday, or my attitude when I am thinking about work, the work process. But some of the things that we get backwards are, such as our government. I know we've just gone through the election process, and I don't know where you are, and I'm not too concerned about that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But some things that we get backwards are the people support and serve the government, and in, 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 in contrary, it should be the government supporting and serving the people. It's, it's a complete opposite of where we should be and I find it interesting that a lot of times in our lives, we get things backwards. Another thing that I found that we get things backwards as well is a family life. And don't get me wrong, I do believe in, um, well, never mind, I just, I'll just, if I offend you, I apologize. Uh, if the word of God offends you, that's on you. Uh, so there's a distinction between the two. But uh, with a family, today in our society, we have the wife who is normally the leader, the spiritual leader of the home. She is the one that is, is guiding them with the biblical principles to our children. And in, in essence, it really should be the husband should be the leader, the spiritual leader of the home. And, and I know that is a, a contentious issue today. Let's talk about our society. In our society, how do we get things backwards today? <laughs> There's a lot of things that we get backwards in our society today. 
I take them from the scriptures from the book of Judges. In Judges it says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And in today's society, instead of doing that, we should be able to have support and morals and values. What about church leadership? And I could go on and on with all my list of the different things. Oh, you already know what I'm going to talk about. Um, so church leadership, the pastor, this is, this is an interesting scenario. It used to be, especially uh, probably for a long time now, the pastor does all the work. If, if someone is sick, we call Pastor Michael. If someone's in the hospital, we call Pastor Michael. If someone needs help, we call Pastor Michael. Maynard Michael, not Longfellow Michael. <laughs> Just make sure there's a distinction there. Uh, you know, if you have issues in the church, who do we call? We call, we call Pastor Michael. We call Pastor Steve. We call Pastor Longfellow Michael. And it's interesting that in the scenario is, when we get things backwards, is really the church should be taking care of the needs of the congregation. The church, the body of believers, are coming together and doing the work of the Lord. And you think, well, hey, what do we pay the pastors for? Good question. Very good question. We pay the pastors, we pay the leadership people of the church. If you go to Ephesians chapter 4, 11, 12, it says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The way we get it backwards is, is that people today think that it's the pastor's job to do all these things. But really, it's the pastor's job to teach you, to edify you, to, to understand the scriptures, and it sends you out to do the work of the Lord. Somewhere, we've gotten that backwards. What about church today? I think also in things that we got backwards is church life. Today, we come in, we hear a great sermon, especially today. We come and we worship we, we worship the Lord through great music. We, we do a lot of it. We have the fellowship. We have one hour of fellowship coming together. But I tell you, my friends, that this is, in essence, not really church. Church is doing life together. Church is how we are basing our life on, we encourage our ordinary faith to do small groups, that you do life on a continual basis, that when you have needs, when you have concerns, you go to the people in your small group, you go to the people that you're able to do, because how many of us really know the people here on a, on a really intimate level? We really don't know each other intimately unless we spend time together outside the doors. So let me back this up with scripture. Ephesians, or no, I'm sorry, not Ephesians, Acts chapter 2, 42 and 47 through 47 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And in awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. And anyone who had need... And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily by those who are being saved. That is what real church is. Church is sharing and having people who are in need, and we are able to give those people who are in need, and we're able to pray for those people. We're able to truly know what the needs of, of each other are and not a superficial area. So let's talk about work. How many of you really like to work? My, my, some of you do, and I, I'm so happy. And what I, I want to, my perspective of work has changed since I started studying the scriptures on how God wants my attitude with work. So, so work, we have this backwards. 
We have our theology, or not theology, our ideology today in America is that we work 40 or 50 years. That we go to our job for 40 or 50 years, we hit retirement age, and then you have 10 years to do the, the things that you wanted to for the rest of your life for 10 years. I, I think we got that backwards, don't we? I, I think there are so many people that we are looking forward. How many of you guys are looking forward to retirement? Yeah, yeah, I, I got you. Some of us, some of you guys are, because we want to do something different. But here's my thought process with this, that we need to understand what the scriptures have to say, how we can glorify God at our work, so we enjoy work and we are able to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So today I want to talk about work. But before we go there, we got to go to Genesis. I, I promise we will get to Ephesians. I know you guys are concerned about that. There was a one scripture, one scripture sermon today, so i got to cover some other things before we get there. So but in the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says this, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. If you want to read some very powerful scriptures, read the book of Genesis, the very beginning of creation, how God wanted man and woman to take care of the garden. There was a whole perspective, there was a whole job right there was to enjoy the, the relationship with God, to enjoy the, the ability to talk with God and walk with God and also take care of the garden. And it's interesting, verse 9 says this. I know it's out of order, so please forgive me. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What does that have to do with work? I want you to understand that they had a huge area that they were able to take care of in the garden. They were able to walk around and see the fruits and see the plentifulness of what the Garden of Eden had to offer. And in the middle of the garden was a tree of good and of knowledge of good and knowledge. And so I, I, I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many times Adam and Eve passed by beautiful fruit, beautiful trees, beautiful things that they could have eaten, that were pleasing to the eye, that was pleasing to the stomach. But they chose to walk past a lot of things in order to go to the tree of knowledge of good of, of, good of evil. They passed by a lot of stuff. They passed by a lot of, of, of trees and fruits and all the different things out there to get to the something that they shouldn't have or something that they desired. I started thinking about that. My, my mom does not think I'm content in life. My mom is very good at um, giving me advice, um, lecturing. Saying in HR, we make things positive. Uh, my mom is very good at giving me information that sometimes I need, sometimes I don't want. And my mom has told me several, several times I'm not content in life. And as a good son, I'm thinking, oh, Mom, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I got to go. Bye-bye. You know, I don't know if you have those conversations with your mom, but that's kind of some of the conversations I've had. But, you know, I, it's interesting that my mom is right. There are a lot of times I'm always looking for something that is better to come, and I'm walking by things I've got to put around me, but I want something that I desire. I want something that is not yet attainable for me. I want something that is not quite right timing. And I don't know about you, but I will pass by a lot of fruit. I will pass by a lot of different things that are pleasing to my eyes that God has put me there to get to something that I want that maybe is not the right time. And so there are many of you right now, I imagine, that is not satisfied where you are 
in your work life. I, I, think, I think there's a lot of us that we want something more. We want something better. But we're passing by all these things, trying to get to this one thing, and we're, we're losing what God has put around us already because we are so focused on that one thing. And this is how it was with Adam and Eve. Once they were finally realized what they wanted, they passed by it all, and they went to the fruit. They got the fruit, and we know the whole story, and that's when sin came into the world. And that's where the thorns came in, the thistles came in, and work became so much more harder than it was supposed to be. You know, I remember Lori and I was talking about this some time ago when we got out of college. We got out of college, and we were, we were young. We got married at 21. We had a kid at 23, and we were excited about work. And then I was working at a church uh, in Altoona. Altoona was 150 people counting cats and dogs, uh, major drug raids once a month. We had four major streets, and once a month we had three cop cars go down each street doing a drug raid in this little town of Altoona, Kansas. Uh, Good mission field. Very, very good mission field. I, I was making $125 a week and working at Walmart, too. And I thought, man, after a year or two at Walmart, I thought, how long is this going to go on? How long do I have to work at this place to be able to finally become that multi-mega ministry guy who has his own plane? I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. I've never thought about it. I'm not that good of a pastor. I'm not that good of a, of a preacher, so I know it will never happen. But if you do send me 1995, I will pray for you. Uh, completely probably inappropriate, but that, I thought it was funny. Other people did too. Uh, so it's interesting that you know, we go on through the process and we, we think about this. And this is the real world. This is something you have to look forward to. This is what we're going to do for the next 40 to 50 years of my life. A preach and go to Walmart and work at Walmart and deal with the pleasant customers that people at Walmart always are. You know, that is something I didn't really want to do. So I thought, well, hey, let's go back to college. Let's do something else. But I, the Lord has at this point. So I started thinking to myself at this point, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to, to glorify God at my job? What does it mean to be a witness to people, to share the reason I have hope for and the reason I'm able to work with a good attitude? So let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Because this is where the scripture really comes, takes a play. Because tomorrow, tomorrow when you go to work, the decision on how you go to work, the attitude that you have is up to you. The way that you are able to glorify God, that you're able to inspire people to become a better employee, is a lot of times that can be how you do your work at, at work. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says this. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he might have something to share with anyone in need. Here's the main thought that Paul wants us to focus on, that Paul challenged us to work hard at whatever our vocation is for the glory of God. No matter what we are doing, whether you are doing a, a, the, the, tr the recycling center, the trash, whether you are working at McDonald's, whether you are a, a homemaker technician, uh, that's a stay-at-home mom nowadays, uh, whether, you are, uh, whether you are working at Genesis Alkali in the department that you struggle with, Michael Longfellow, whether you are working, wherever you are working, our, our objective, our idea is to glorify God wherever we are at. But it's so importantly when we do it at work, because I don't know about you, but I know at my workplace, there's not a lot of Christian lights going around. There's not a lot of Christian influence. There's not a lot of Christian values that are taking place. 
And our idea, our thing, our, our objective, our goal, what God has set before us is to be the light and the salt of the world. And if we are not being the salt and light of the world at our workplace, then do you realize, oh my goodness, and I, I did have a Red Bull this morning. Do you realize that you realize you spend more time with people at work than do you do at your own family? Isn't that crazy? And, and if we are going to have an impact upon our our co-worker family, the people that we spend more time with, it has a lot to do on how you glorify God at work or how you don't glorify God at work. This is, my friends, a very important thought process. How are we able to glorify God at work? But before we get there, I want to tell you about the Ephesian church. The Ephesian people at the present time, they didn't have a, a, a system where there was uh, welfare programs or uh, issues. If you had issues at work, you got laid off. They didn't have people that they didn't have the government that would help you supply with income. They didn't have the 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 the, the society or the the social things that we have today. If you got laid off from work, if you lost your job back in the day, you went hungry. You had to count upon your loved ones to help support you. Moms and dads who got older. There, do you realize in the scriptures there's no such thing as retirement? Biblical, there's no such thing as biblical retirement throughout the scriptures. So if you think you're retired, you're really not retired. Because God has something better for you to do. God has something more extraordinary for you to do. Because you don't have to spend all your time at work. You're able to go out and spread the gospel to people. That's one thing I love. Completely off my notes. That's okay. So as we look at this, though, the Jews value laboring with one's hands. The Greeks valued not working with their own hands. They disdain working with their own hands. Lower classes should work with their hands. That's what the Greeks thought. Ephesus as the day was a providential capital of the, of the area. There was a proconsul who resided in the city. So you have this governmental official and it has all the people going on. And you have people who are serving the governmental official. It's sort of like today, isn't it? That I feel like we are serving our and don't get me this wrong, I feel like we are ones who are serving the government rather than the government is serving us. And it's something completely backwards. During this difficult time of a life, if there's many people who were stealing, if you wanted to eat, you had to steal. If you wanted different things, they had no retirement. So could you imagine being 85 years old and still working? I don't want to be 85 years old and still working. You know, and it breaks my heart when I see people who are out there who are older who have to work because they are not financially set to be retired. But you know what? I think the church has got that wrong as well. I think the church, or, the, or I should say the family, should be taking care of those people so they don't have to work. I really do. I've told my mom and dad, who my dad is 75 now, my mom is 70. They are very, very much like me. We are, we are very, very strong-headed. We are very, very outspoken. And my poor wife would be outnumbered if, if my mom and dad would ever come and live with us. But I think as a responsibility as a Christian, it's my responsibility to make sure my mom and dad are taken care of. Because that's what a good work ethic, a good a Christian would do, is to make sure their loved ones are being taken care of. But we've gotten that backwards, haven't we? We today think it's society's responsibility to take care of the older people and not the families. 
That's just something to think about. That's free. So don't worry about that. But I think we've gotten that really, really backwards, that we do not honor the older generation like we should. And we kind of cast them aside sometimes. My first point to this is to glorify God. We need a healthy perspective of what work is all about. You may be in a job right now that you hate. You may be in a job that you are surrounded by difficult co-workers. You may be in a job that all you do is discipline and you, you, you let people go. You may be in a job where you don't think you are making a difference and you have no value adding to the company or adding to people's lives. You know, I, I look at this and I see so many times that Americans' view of work is negative because of the way we view it. And sometimes I believe that a lot of people sometimes want to go to heaven, not to spend time with God, not to be in the presence of God, but so they don't have to work anymore. So there's no more mortgage, there's no more credit cards, they can escape the reality of this world today. How many of you guys, younger people, you may not see this anymore, how many of you guys remember those info info commercials late at night? The 11 o'clock, the t- please raise your hand, otherwise I feel really old. All right, good, there's some older people with me. All right, Steve, raise your hand, buddy. Um, you know, if, if you don't remember those, old, those, those info commercials, I don't know if they have, we have Netflix and Prime now, so we don't have commercials, which uh, we, I don't know if they have info, info commercials anymore. But the, to young people, this is a time where someone would jump on the commercial, they would tell you, sell you this, uh, this uh, quick rich scheme. And you buy this product, and you're going to be rich, and it's on Instagram now, it's on Facebook now. Hey, follow my system, pay me 400 bucks, and I will make you rich. How many of you guys remember Carlton Sheets? You guys remember Carlton? Okay, Carlton Sheets was this real estate guy. He was an old guy. I was 16 years old, and I was late at night watching this TV. Uh, I, I was 16, I was watching a jump show, and he jumps on, and he's talking about how to become a real estate tycoon. And if you just buy his program for $199 then he will show you how to do all this real estate stuff. And so I was 16. My mom and dad thought I was wise to give me a credit card. I was 16, which was very, very good. I was wise with it. Um, they also monitored my purchases. That late night, I called the 800 number. I called Carlson Sheets up. I said, hey, Carlson Sheets, I want this program. Also because there's a bunch of girls behind him on bikinis and on a beach. Uh, so I, I, I thought, this is going to be the thing. This is what's going to set me apart. This is going to set me going in life. So I get the Carlson Sheet program. I read through it. My mom and dad, what in the world I'm doing? And I said, mom and dad, this is going to be good for us. So I, I, I watched the whole program. Well, Carlson Sheet's whole program is basically borrow money from someone to buy some real estate. So, okay, well, this is my mentor. My job is to go ask people for money. That's what I'm going to do. So the first people I ask for my money for money is my mom and dad. Hey, mom, dad, I got a great business structure here. I need like twenty thousand dollars. Can you give me twenty thousand? No. No. It was very very simple. My mom and dad didn't try to encourage me to to boost my real estate career. Nothing like that. No, we're not giving you money. That was the end of my that was the end of my real estate investing until like thirty five years later. But, you know, it's interesting, we look at that, and our world today is always trying to get rich quick. We have people buying lottery tickets. We have people that are wanting to take shortcuts, and and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, it's interesting. If you do a study on the people who who buy the the lottery tickets and who win the millions of dollars, eventually they're worse worse off than they were in the very, very beginning. 
They lose it all. And they normally lose their relationships with their spouse and their family and their friends. Becoming quick, rich quick does not normally help you. It doesn't normally help you. It normally harms you because you have not earned what you need to. You have not earned you have not learned the steps on how to handle money. And so I tell you, my friends, we have this idea that we want to do a job in order to get rich quick. Perhaps we can we look at people's lives in our society, that we need a healthier perspective balance. But I don't know about you, but I also know people that are workaholics at work. I know pastors are normally workaholics. We, we, guys, I, I can speak for gentlemen, guys, I can't speak for you ladies, but I know guys, we find our worth in the work that we do. We find our value in how we work and how we provide for our family. That's what, how we get our recognition today. And that's been for years and generations. My dad's 75, he doesn't have to work, he still works at O'Reilly's. He loves to deliver parts and, deli- and visit with people and what, he tells me about his cars that he's restoring. I don't, I don't care. Um, my, my daughters know more about restoring cars than I do. I don't. Uh, anyway, I had a mechanic tell me it's it's more it's better for me. It's better for it's cheaper for me if I don't touch the car, and if I just call him. Because I had one time I was going to fix this thing before YouTube, and I was going to fix this car, and I knew what I was going to. I knew how to fix this car. Not, and my wife told me not to do it. And so we call the mechanic over and he says, Michael, please, just don't touch the car. Don't touch it and we'll be better. Anyway, so there are certain things I, I know that I'm not going to do. But also I think we have this perspective on our culture and our society. That if we understand when we go to work, we're not doing it just for a paycheck. We're not doing it just to earn money for our, to pay our bills. But we're glorifying God through the process. That we're able to share our faith, that we're able to share why we believe. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 29 says this, God, God created man and woman to take care of the earth, to subdue it and to, to domain. A very loaded phrase in our day and age, but they are not negative. Humanity is unique. We bear the image of God and God asks us to take care of the earth. This earth was man's original job before the fall we covered before. Note the personal working touch that God, humanity, performed in the garden. Adam named all the animals. Work is a God-created thing. God created us to work. God created us to be creative people. That's why we have creator. And the word creator means to be able to create, to be able to, to build, to be able to design us nothing. And there are a lot of you who need to be creating rather than just doing your Monday through Friday job. You need to be doing something that brings the, the abilities, the God-given gifts out of you. As we look towards the golden idea of the golden idea of retirement, and we've already talked about this a little, <clears throat> we see that the golden years are not always the most golden, are they? I mean, they are hard when you get older. And as Michael said a couple of Sundays ago, it hurts to get out of bed sometimes. He can hurt himself when he sleeps. How many of you realize that? How many of you understand that process? That the golden years, you work 40 to 50 years, and you've done all this work, and now the golden years are just to relax, but it's hard to get out of bed. Those are not golden years to me. Those are scary years. I'm not looking forward to that. But as we look at this, we have Christians across our culture 
that have an unbalanced issues in the, in the scripture in the scriptures today and how we viewed work. Our idea that we struggle, the discovering, it sounds wrong. I, here, here's something I really, really, I, I struggle with. Bivocational pastors. Bivocational pastors, we, a lot of, of bivocational pastors, a person who uh, is, is, works part-time in the workforce, normally full-time, and then also with the church as well. A lot of churches used to push that a lot when the churches financially couldn't handle the salary of the pastor to keep them on full-time. And the church pushed that and pushed that to make the pastor work full-time somewhere and then also work at the church full-time as well. But really, if the church is doing the responsibility of what we're supposed to do, the church is doing the work of the people. The church is visiting people. The church is being able to take care of the people. The, people, the church is able to take care of those who are in need. I, I think by vocation, I love by vocational pastors for one thing, because you meet so many people outside the church as well. I was bivocational for, for many, many years. Walmart, different, different jobs. And I realized one thing I learned during that time. I spent more time with non-believers as a bivocational pastor than I did with, as a full-time pastor. Because 95 to 98% of my time was with believers. Don't get me wrong, I love believers. That's why God has built the church. That's what we have incorporated to do. But one other thing we got backwards is the pastor spending all the time with the believers and not the unbelievers. It's very hard to witness to people when all your friends are Christians. It's hard to bring the word of God into it. My second point is to glorify God. We need to strive to be the best employees as believers. This is something that's going to be hitting us very, very hard. If this feels like a, a, a hit to your stomach, it's too bad. Christians need to be the best employees that are on the workforce. Not looking at your Facebook, not looking at Instagram, not looking at Google, not doing the different things we do to waste time, but truly working for the glory of God and also for the best for your employer. Even if they don't treat you right, even if you don't think you should get paid more, so on and so forth, you make all the excuses in the world. God has given us the ability to work, and we should be the hardest working people in the realm today. People should know that you are a believer because of your work ethic. I don't know about you, but have you ever ran into someone that has a work ethic that just won't stop? That no matter what you do, you are tired, you are sluggish, and the person next to you just keeps on going and going and going. I remember several years ago, with this back in Kansas, we were unloading some firewood, and this old guy, older, sorry, older guy, um, came by, he was unloading the firewood. He was probably 65 years old. I was probably 30. And we were unloading the firewood. And this guy could outwork me any day. And I'm being stubborn. And I'm being one of those people that got to prove a point. I could, I could try to keep up with him. No way in the world. At the end of the conversation, at the end of the time we were loading wood, I asked him, how do you unload wood so, so quickly and so thoroughly and so efficient? He says, because I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm not doing it for you. I thought, wow, when we understand who we are working for, which I'm getting to the Maori in my last point, we should have a completely different mentality on how we work. And I will tell you, my friends, I always hear the older people say, well, this generation today, I know the older generation saying that. Well, now, well, guess what? My generation is saying that about the generation coming up. 
Oh, this generation coming up today. I know I'm getting older. My perspective is different. But to see the work ethic of where I was, or where the generation is today, but to see where my work ethic is compared to the older people above me, there is no comparison a lot of times until we realize who we are working for. Paul says this, we are to work hard. I'm sorry, I just lost my place. Let's go to to point three. Glorify God, we need to work in order to give to others. One thing that discourages me, and this, this sermon is not to be discouraged, it's supposed to be uplifting, A lot of Christians in the world today, we work and we work and we work to see how much we can attain for ourselves and not to give to others. And the scripture says we're working, so we have something to share with anyone that's in need. I will tell you, my friends, what the greatest joy you can probably almost always have is when someone is in need, that you are able to supply the needs for them. Because you worked hard, you worked honestly. You work with all your might, not for your, your employer, but for Jesus, that you may be able to share with other people in need. That's a huge, huge blessing when you're able to give to other people in need. Think about the times, the difficulties that you went through as a person. When you didn't know where rent was going to come from, you didn't know where food was going to come from, you didn't know where your house payment or your, your, your car payment was going to come from, you didn't know where your di- the diapers were going to come from. And somehow God brought you through that situation. Somehow God brought someone into your life to give you something. And if you've never experienced that, I'm so sorry. But I know when you're hanging on by a thread, that you are clinging to everything you have, wondering how you're going to get through the day. And God brings someone into your life and gives you a blessing. It is tremendous. Talking about helping your faith, but it also helps that person who gave it to you. I think the scripture said we are more blessed when we give than we are when we receive. But one thing in our society that we've kind of gotten things wrong is that we work in order to provide for myself. We work in order to provide for my family. We work in order to provide for what I want, not the needs of our community, not the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. Going back to Acts chapter 2, is they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles of teachers. Anyone who was in need, they gave to one another. It's not socialism, it's not communism. It's when I'm able to freely give of what I've worked for in order to glorify God. That's what God has called me to do. When we look, when we look at the pastors uh, in different countries who are very, very, very minimal on their budgets, who are barely making it, and we give to them because we've worked honestly for what we have, what a blessing that is. We give, we work so we can give. We work in order to glorify God. We work so we can also share our faith with other believers. We work to have a work ethic. I love this scripture that says, you don't work, you don't eat. How many times do you quote that to your, your kids? Oh, I quote that all the time. Oh, sorry, you don't fold your clothes, you can't work, can't, or you can't eat. I, I, that was a, sort of a joke sometimes, not always. But I would tell you, my friends, that the reason we work is not just to supply our needs. The reason we have an added, a good attitude when we work is not just because we want to be a raise. We work so we glorify God. The Scripture tells us to have your body as a living sacrifice. 
What does that mean? I think right now in my life today it has a different, different, I can take that in one way. I can come to church, I can worship God, I can give Him all the glory here for an hour I leave. And then on Monday morning when I go to work, I'm going to use my mind, I'm going to use my body to glorify God. I'm going to worship Him by working hard for Him. I'm going to have an attitude, not one that just I completely hate my job and I can't find any satisfaction. I'm going to find something I can be joyful about my job. Because right now there are a lot of people that don't have jobs. There are a lot of people who are struggling. There are a lot of people who are having those difficulties but, and they need help. What's your attitude? Your attitude is contagious, my friends. You who are the light of Jesus Christ, you who are the salt of Jesus Christ, your attitude Monday morning should be so excited. I will tell you this, what I do now to help my attitude, because my attitude at work has not always been there. It, I, I confess, there are days, I, there are days. Every morning now when I go to my office, I pray that God will use me mightily to be able to touch people's lives, to have an attitude, that of Christ Jesus. And to change my workplace. That is my prayer every morning. I shut my office door, I lock it, and I pray that the people that come into my office will be, know that who I am in Christ Jesus. Because I want to glorify God with everything that I have. And if I spend more time at work than I do with my family, more time at work, more times at church, <coughs> I want it to mean something. So how do we get things backwards? What do we, how do we need to change this? Make it a priority. We've got to make sure we are making work our priority, how we glorify God. So first thing, government. We need men and women of Christian faith to work in the local, the state, and the federal politics today. Maybe God is calling you to change the things that are backwards and call can bring you into a situation like that. The family. Gentlemen, this is for, especially for you. And women, don't get me wrong, I'll talk to you for a second as well. Family, we need men of faith to stand up and become the leaders that you are destined to be in your home. You need to lead your, women, your wife and your children in prayer. You need to lead them in devotions. You need to know, they, they need to know that you love Jesus as much as you love whatever else is in your life today. Ladies, oh, I, I, I am amazed at, at ladies. I'm amazed at women on, on what you guys put up with and how your attitude is, a Christian, a Christian faith, is that you need to let your husband lead. You do. I know that's hard sometimes, especially sometimes when he's not leading. You need to... The husband's job is to love you as Christ loved the church. His job is to protect you. His job is to shield you. His job is to uphold you. That's his job. I pray he does that. And ladies, you if you just pray for your husbands and you cheer them on, it does wonderful things. Ladies, you normally, <clears throat> sorry, take care of the kids. I mean, it's a huge responsibility. 
teach your kids who Jesus is. To love them and to shelter them and to protect them. When your kid gets hurt, who's the kid always running to? Normally it's mom. You guys have a tremendous job. Grandparents, you have a tremendous job as well. Support your kids, to encourage your kids, to raise them in that household. That's what God has called us to do. Society, we need Christians to bring back morals and ethics to our society. To stand up for what is right and what is true and what is biblical. Even when we are the only ones standing. That's what God has called us to do. The church, we need the body of Christ in America to serve with the gifts God has given to you. Whatever, whatever gift you have, God wants you to use his gift for his glory. At work, at home, at church. Just getting to know you guys on Sunday mornings and doing dinner with you and different things. I know so many of you have special gifts and each one of you has at least one gift and normally multiple gifts that God has given you. Use those gifts to his glory. Church, we need to come together and be the church, not just on Sundays. We need to be the church. There will be a time that it will be illegal for us to gather on Sunday mornings. There will be a time that will be very painful for us to get together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to get together now and encourage each other on a daily basis <coughs> for what God has done for us. Work. We need to work on our jobs. From Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, do your work wholeheartedly to the Lord. Whatever you do, you're doing it for the Lord and not for your boss. I will tell you, my friends, if we glorify God through our work, we can change our society. We can change people's perspectives. We can change people's thought process. Because when we are the light and the salt of the world, God can do anything through us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, so much for the day. I thank you, Heavenly Father, just for this opportunity to, to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to share with them. And Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, for my attitude. Lord, I want my attitude to reflect who you are and who I serve every day of my life not just on Sundays. I want people to know that I am trustworthy. I'm, tr I'm, I'm truthful. I'm a man of integrity. I'm a person who you can count on. Lord, I want people to know what ordinary faith stands for. Lord, that we are Christians. That we are the light and the salt of the world. That our attitude is reflected of you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that we work to glorify you in every aspect of our lives. Lord, I pray that people will know that we are a giving church, that we are a church that wants to help people who are in need. Lord, I pray that just for our own spiritual lives, that you, Lord, you bring conviction on our lives wherever we need it. Lord, let everyone who 
is in this room, who's online, Lord, glorify you by our daily and everyday life we have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.